Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. G'day, welcome to AusBiz. This is The Call. Ten stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour. It is Wednesday, the 15th of December. I'm Andrew Gagan. Great that you can join us. All right, well, let's get to our guests, our experts here on the show for the full hour. Joining us today, Henry Jennings from Marcus Today and Andrew Wylant from DP Wealth Advisory. And you guys are trying to out-Christmas each other. <laughs> Henry... <laughs> <laughs> you're, in the festive, you're in the festive spirit. I like, like to see it. It's good. Well, well Andrew, you've got to remember that up, up, up here on the northern beaches, we didn't actually have Christmas last year because oh, of uh, COVID outbreak. So we had to cancel Christmas. So I'm feeling a lot more Christmassy this year um, because of that, having spent two weeks locked in the house. And, um, yeah, it's, I'm feeling a little bit more Christmassy this year. So, yeah. Yeah, all right, well, Andrew, uh, um, you know, go on. Man, I was just going to say, uh, with about eight seconds notice, this is about the best I could come up with. But, um, <laughs> Henry, you, you've come up a treat. And, well, which is, it, it's which, tacky, but it works. We'll take it. Um, so, <laughs> are you guys, you're obviously, you're buying your Christmas presents. Are you selling your stocks at the moment, Andrew? Am I selling my stocks? Yeah. No, no. No, no, just uh, this is all part of the roller coaster of 2021. Uh, no, we're just uh, holding the line, Andrew, holding the line. All right, Henry. Yeah, of course, we're all awaiting that uh, that Fed decision tomorrow, of course, you know, with the prospect of that um, that taper being hastened and perhaps some indication of when rates are going to rise. H- how are you feeling about the market at the moment? Well, I, I've got to say, Andrew, I'm, I'm a little bit cautious, I have to say. Uh, Christmas is always an interesting time. We're all expecting the Santa rally. It may be that Federal Reserve Chief Jerome Powell turns into the Grinch rather than Santa, depending on what he says. But, you know, I was listening to one commentator on the TV this morning saying that perhaps the Fed is five rate hikes behind the eight ball at the moment and behind the curve, given that, you know, we've got inflation at 6.8 percent, the highest in 40 years, unemployment uh, pretty low. What's it? Four point to 4.5% in the US and GDP soaring, uh, we do seem to be a little bit um, uh, behind in terms of those rate rise increases. So it's going to be an interesting one tonight, especially as we get dot plots, especially as we get an interview from Jerome as well. So uh, I think that's going to set the scene for Christmas and the first couple of weeks of the new year, that's for sure. Yeah, that Santa rally could be on hold or stalled or just not eventuate at all. All right, well, look, uh, let's uh, let's get into it. And our stock of the day. Well, I mean, look, it's it's a time to buy, and clearly, um, as we head into Christmas, clearly that's how CSL is feeling at the moment. It is our stock of the day. Uh, it has announced it's um, close to sixteen and a half billion dollar bid for Switzerland's uh, V4 Pharma. Uh, which would make it, what, the fourth largest um, Australian M&A deal this year. Um, Andrew, how are you looking at this one at the moment? Does it make sense? It's obviously looking to diversify at this point. 
Yeah, you're spot on, Andrew. It's all about the diversification piece. And, you know, they've got some challenges at the moment with the plasma collection. So if anything, it's just reinforced that need for diversification. And it gives them an opportunity to do some cross-selling of their uh, CSL products to uh, sort of a new client base as well. Remembering the last time they did a, a, a capital raising, I think from memory it was around six, seven years ago at $36 a share. So a little bit different now at $273. But it makes sense for them. However, I guess whenever you know, you've know you got a chunky acquisition, it's uh, certainly in excess of 10% of their total market capitalisation. And Henry and I, over the, the last 12 months, have spoken about many companies when they're making acquisitions, you're always just a bit cautious trying to sort of uh, integration of cultures, trying to get those operational efficiencies, etc. But uh, CSL is an incredibly well-run business. There are a number of uh, opportunities for them from a synergy point of view, you know, to try and sort of reduce costs, etc. Uh, if I was a CSL shareholder, I'd probably be taking up the offer. But uh, equally so, I can see the next 12 months being um, challenging for them in the context, as I said, of um, all those things I just mentioned before. But good on them and uh, make sense. All right, so what, you're holding at this point? So if I'm a CSL shareholder and I don't want to participate in the share purchase plan, I'm not a seller. Mm. However, if I'm a CSL shareholder and I'm you know, saying, hey, Andrew, should I take up the offer? Then yeah, look, I'd take it up. But just understanding you're not going to pay 273 and then watch it zoom up to 320, 330. Uh, it may do that over time, but there's a few uh, things we need to get through and even without this acquisition the, the concern that I have in the short term is those plasma collections they're under pressure plus those um, those immigration laws if I can put it that way in the US yeah. as well it's really being a, a challenge for them. Yeah certainly a bone of contention. Henry um, how are you looking at this moment? I guess it's not just those direct shareholders I mean if you're investing in the, the local index you're going to have a slice of this aren't you because it's such a heavyweight. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's the end of the day. It is such a heavyweight index funds, etc. All the institutions that are involved in this will be very supportive of this. This is a huge, huge dollop of cash they're raising. This is a, a the biggest ever capital raising in Australia, apart from the, uh, the tranches of Telstra. So there's going to be a massive amount of indigestion. Maybe CSL should look at that market because this is going to cause some serious indigestion, at least in the short term. Even a $750 million share purchase plan, that's going to pressure the price. There's going to be a lot of retail investors that uh, sell their shares on the market to buy back in under the share purchase plan and do that kind of SPP arbitrage. So that's going to be rife. So I think in the short term, this is going to weigh. Obviously, the strategy to diversify away from blood plasma is uh, not a bad one. And they've clearly been looking at this asset for a long time. I guess the big winner out of all of this is Martin Ebner, who uh, holds 23% of uh, VIFOR. And he has just been rubbing his hands with glee to accept the cash that's coming his way. Um, I've got to say, you know, that there's not the usual kind of synergies, clash of culture that you get with these kind of takeovers because there's very little overlap between the two companies. They're basically um, just bolting on something and it's not insubstantial. It's nearly 13% of the market cap of CSL in this deal. So it's not an insubstantial deal. And I know we all talk about the market darling that is CSL and what a wonderful stock it is. And it has been in the past, but let's face it, for the last year or two, it has gone absolutely nowhere. It has missed the COVID bounce. It has even missed the COVID fall. So there's not even any 
bargain hunting around for this one. We've now got Moderna that's going to be opening a um, mRNA uh, vaccine facility in Australia in the next couple of years as well, which is going to increase uh, some of the competition for CSL. So, you know, they clearly need to do something. Obesity, diabetes and heart disease uh, is the way of the future. I've certainly nailed that one myself. And um, I'm looking forward to my old age with that. But, um, yeah, I think for me, the jury is well and truly out on this one. I think there's going to be a serious period of indigestion. This mm. is a massive, massive deal for any company. And, uh, you know, here we are, all-time highs, farmers, all-time highs, and CSL are lobbing $17 billion of shareholders' money yep. at this. Um, yeah, for me, it, it's if you're a CSL shareholder and a believer and you still... You know, obviously think that this is the one to stop, then please hold it. But I think in the short term, at least the next six months, we're going to see some indigestion in this stock for that period of time. All right. So a hold from both, but obviously need to keep an eye on how this pans out. All right. Let's uh, get into our uh, our 10 stocks then. Our first cab off the rank is Genix Power. Uh, this one brought to us by Lachlan. He, um, well, essentially just wants uh, you guys to talk about it. But uh, look, it is, um, it's the company behind the Baldacombe uh, battery project and also has a contract with uh, Elon Musk's Tesla to supply a 50 megawatt battery, um, which is interesting in itself uh, in Queensland. Um, Henry, what are your thoughts? Uh, Andrew, I've tried so hard to like this one and I'm sure your viewer just wants it mentioned so that it sort of revs up the share price a bit. I really tried so hard to like this. My, my, my friend over at Morgan's, uh, Chris McDonald, uh, is a big fan of this one. So shout out to Chris. But it has gone absolutely really nowhere. Solar, pumped hydro, and now this new battery uh, pack with Tesla. I mean, you lob Tesla into an announcement and you can always get a little bit of traction. So it's pulled up off 18 cents. But it's really hard to get excited about this one. Kidston uh, has got this big uh, solar uh, array in uh, northwest Queensland. It's been up and running since 2017, which is all well and good. And we've got uh, a power plant, Gemalong, as well in New South Wales, which has uh, just sort of come online. To me, this, this ticks lots of boxes because it feels good. It's ESG friendly, renewable energy. They've still got some way to go. Uh, I'm not sure what the catalyst is. I remember buying this at 20 cents and it kind of dithered around 20, 22 cents. And um, yeah, I, I think if you're a shareholder, you're going to have to be patient. But, uh, you know, certainly it feeds into the ESG renewables theme really nicely. But I think patience is going to be required for this one. Uh, you know, Mike Cannon-Brooks is a, a holder of it as well. He's got 3.3%. So, you know, it's, it's certainly got some, some interest from some well-credentialed people. But I think it just requires patience. It's not a screaming buy, you know, probably at 18 cents. It's probably not bad little pickup, but 22, 23 cents is probably the sale price. So it's probably a hold at the moment for my money. Okay, that's a hold on Gen X. Andrew, your thoughts? Yeah, look, my learned friend as always has nailed it. Uh, what's the catalyst? What's going to move it along? Because if you look at that five year return profile, it's lost. Minor, uh, sorry, it's lost 1.3% per annum. So it's basically just gone sideways, as Henry says. So certainly lots to like about it. I like the fact that J-Power, that uh, large uh, Japanese electric company is in there. They've got about 40-odd uh, percent of it. So that's certainly a, a positive as well. 
but uh, struggling to see what the impetus is, what's going to sort of kick that share price along. So I too am a hold. Okay, that's a hold for both on GenX. Okay, let's uh, move along to our second one. And uh, this one is an ETF. In fact, it is Vanguard Australian Shares Index ETF, VAS. And Lee wants to know uh, his thoughts on it and what other options like this for long holding investing. Um, Andrew, very much in your wheelhouse. Now, of course, now this is actually the largest, is it not, um, ETF? Uh, and, you know, we talk about exposure, CSL in there. Yeah, and I'm just seeing what's it. It's got about $9 billion in there, $9.6 billion. So, yeah, it would be uh, the largest. STW had that, uh, that crown for a little while, but uh, VAS has uh, certainly uh, has, has claimed that title. And you're right, uh, CSL would be right up there. I'm not sure it's number one. Probably BHP or CBA is number one, but CSL would be a very close second. So even though... If you own VAS, you don't own CSL directly. It's, you know, all the conversation we just had about CSL and Henry's comments about the share price being under pressure in the short term uh, will certainly apply to VAS. So the, the question being, you know, is VAS a, a good long-term hold? And, you know, I'm quite relaxed with, with VAS. And in fact, if you look at the performance of VAS over the last five years versus, say, STW, which is sort of the uh, one of the ways that you can buy the ASX S&P 200, VAS has outperformed the uh, STW by about half a percent per annum. And the reason being is because VAS owns the top 300 companies. Whereas STW, IOZ, A200, they all own the top 200 companies. So by virtue of owning companies 201 to 300, you've got some of those more smaller emerging leader style companies. And that's really what's going to give you a little bit more oomph, another technical finance term. So, and the fees are pretty uh, pretty good. It's only 10 basis points, 0.1% per annum. So from, from my point of view, if you're looking for broader-based Australian exposure, Australian share exposure, you don't know which one to buy or you frankly don't care and you just want to invest in the share market, then certainly buying VAS with that sort of uh, slightly bigger lens taking the top 300 versus the 200, I could certainly think of a lot worse ETFs to buy. Is it a buy, hold or a sell? Well, given where markets are at the moment and, you know, the comments that we just made before, what's going to happen with the Fed, what's going on with um, the uh, the Santa rally, all that type of thing, it's probably a hold short term. But if I've got my five-year hat on, I'd be very happy to buy those. Okay. All right. Henry, do you agree? Yeah. Uh, well, it's hard to disagree with the ETF whisperer himself, <laughs> Mr. Wyland. It is always hard to disagree with him. He's a font of knowledge on this one. Uh, just for uh, for viewers' information, Commonwealth Bank is the highest, 8.3% holding, uh, CSL 6.3. Interestingly as well, though, this year you've got BHP, which is a 5% holding. Now, the collapse of the dual-listed structure next year uh, will create some uh, some turmoil in indices and how they handle it, because it will effectively double the BHP weighting. Uh, now, uh, what I find amusing and somewhat strange is that uh, the difference between the ASX 200 and the ASX 300, so you're adding 100 shares extra to your exposure and you're getting half a percent extra performance. I'm really not sure that's really worth it, but there you go. 
again, this is... I get worried because there's a whole new generation of uh, investors that feel that ETFs are some sort of magic solution that you just buy an ETF. Okay, we just buy an ETF and they go up forever. This is the ASX 300. If you believe the ASX 300 is going to go up forever, then ETFs is a good long-term strategy for sure, especially something like VAS or STW. So, but timing is always important. Here we are, you know, 73, 30-odd in the ASX 200 and uh, you know there are some some people that are contemplating some pullback so I think investors especially new investors have to realize that ETFs are not just a magic solution they don't always go up it is about timing it is all about you know just holding this for the next 20 years may not be the investment solution you require so it's very important to think about your ETF investment, not just as throwing it at a, at a product that is always a magic answer, but is actually the index because, you know, it can go nowhere for a long period of time and, and certainly try your patience. But certainly if you if you are a bull of the ASX, then uh, this one is a good way to play. It is the biggest ETF. It is liquid and uh, it satisfies and ticks a lot of boxes, that's for sure. But for me, it's a hold at the moment only because my view of the ASX 300 is that the market's probably going to go sideways. We might have a Christmas blip either way, but I think we're still in for a bit of a sideways consolidation as we sort out COVID with the Omicron and also, of course, the Federal Reserve. Next year will be more challenging, I think. Hang on, Andrew, ETFs don't always go up. What? What type of nonsense is this? What type of nonsense <laughs> I know, is sorry this? Sorry about that. Oh, dear, oh dear. No, look, Henry's, Henry's spot on. And I mean, we could have a philosophical discussion yeah. around active versus passive managers, and we won't do that. Don't have but, time. Uh, no, you're right. Henry's right. They, uh, they do move around. Look at what's on the tin, as a learned friend of mine says. Read the tin. Yeah, fair enough, too. All right, let's move on. Number three, Regional Express Holdings, otherwise known as Rex Airlines. This one coming to us from RJ. Uh, now, of course, we know what the problems that uh, airlines have had during the course of the pandemic. We're still not out of that. It's still pretty unclear as to what's going on, particularly now with, uh, with Omicron and the health outcomes and obviously the economic outcomes. Um, Henry, uh, Rex is uh, throwing down the gauntlet, though, to the, to the big two, uh, just as far as the routes. Uh, it's uh, now offering all routes between Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane as it launches more flights. Uh, yeah, good luck with that. Uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's not one that I would invest in, I've got to say. If, if you, airlines, I always find problematic. I, you know, there's lots of moving parts, not least of which is the fuel price. And of course, now we've added the complication of COVID into that reopenings. And it's not just about reopenings, but it's about the hassle of travel. And, uh, you know, at some stage, we will get some more uh, hassle imposed on us, I suspect, from uh, the Omicron variant. So not really one that I would be looking at. They've also got an ongoing battle, a war of words, if you like, with Qantas. And, you know, you've got Qantas, you've got Virgin, you've got Rex, and there's another discount airline coming. Is it called Bounce or something like that? Anyway, uh, another one coming. So, you know, you, you do question whether a country of 25 million people, which now seems to be somewhat isolated from the world, despite the fact that we're reopening in some senses, uh, can support four cut price airlines and flying all the same routes. Um, you know, uh, just for me, 
too hard basket. If you're going to play the airline stocks, go with strength, go with the big one, go with Alan Joyce. He's probably the best manager, CEO in this country of troubled assets. And Qantas hasn't had an easy ride because of COVID. Uh, Joyce has done an exceptionally good job. Uh, I would avoid Rex, I have to say. Uh, Bonza is what you're talking about. Uh, that, ah, Bonza. Uh, <laughs> Beauty, Bonza. Bonza. Yeah. What Beauty. could go wrong? Beauty, Bonza. Yeah. Can't go wrong. <laughs> um, so, sorry, Henry. So, we, are you you just avoiding no, it? Or it's, you... it's, uh, I, w- I would avoid it. I just yeah. don't, don't really like uh, the second tier sectors. I would avoid Virgin as well. That has never made any money. Yep. Um, Qantas okay. is the understand. Okay, Andrew, your thoughts then? As much as perhaps we'd like to go flying, uh, it's still up in the air. You did sit wasted there, Andrew. You did sit wasted. I've said that to you previously. Um, Look, I'm probably not as negative on Rex, but I certainly do share Henry's concern about airlines in general. And I've said this many times, but I'll say it again. If the plane isn't full, does that mean only half the staffing, half the landing fees, half the fuel? Of course not. So you've got issues with that and, of course, all the uncertainty that's going on with uh, with COVID. But uh, the, probably the thing that I do like about them, it's a well-run business um, and they've diversified. They've now got freight. They've now got aeromedical and, of course, they've got charter. And they've been winning a couple of contracts here in Queensland in particular. They just took one from Qantas Link between... Um, Roma and also Charleville as well. So there's certainly a, a bit to like from from that point of view. But overall, I think in the 120s, 125s is probably the mark, not where they are at the moment. So it is a hold. Okay. All right. That is Rex. All right. In a holding pattern. Okay. Let's move on to number four, Neuron uh, Pharmaceuticals. This one coming to us from Miles. He's saying up 100% in a day. Uh, is this the start of something special or the right time to jump off? What do you think? Now, it is, uh, it is a biotech. Um, had a, a cash windfall after its US partner reported uh, clinical trial results, which, quote, stunning. Uh, it's trophantide drug to treat neurological disorder, Rett syndrome, in early childhood. Uh, we've had to put on our science hats here to uh, dig into this one, Andrew. Yeah, I, um, I'd been following it for many years and had just stopped following it. And then I saw uh, in the Markets Today newsletter, the font of true stock market knowledge, uh, that it had had a huge day and uh, started looking at it again. And uh, certainly the, the uh, that phase three trial results that they had is really positive for them, that revenue share, you know, 100 million odd, plus also some royalties as well. And that's just relating to the Rett syndrome. And then they've got, uh, what is it, NNZ2591. This rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? That's got some phase two trial uh, results that will be coming through next year. And they're suggesting that uh, those, if it all comes together, and of course, that's the operative word, if it comes together, uh, you know, the addressable market's five times what the Rett syndrome market is. So there's certainly plenty to like about it. They've got a boatload of cash. They've got about 33 million in cash. Um, PE is certainly aggressive at 57 times, but it, it, it's it's gone. It's shot the lights out, as you can see on that chart. So buying at these levels, you'd certainly be pretty brave. And in fact, looking back to 2014, they've had about three or four goes at this. But I would really be looking at 
if there was a pullback and certainly positioning myself the first to second quarters of 2022, getting myself set for those various phase two trials. But uh, interesting story, but would struggle to pay for it at these levels. Um, so hang on, would, would you sell it then now? Because that, that, was, that was the question. Uh, depends on your capital gains tax position, I guess. Uh, as I said, it's done this three times since 2014. So certainly, you know, if you're using that as your sole measure, then you'd probably say yes. But equally so, each time prior, they didn't have 100 million of additional revenue come in and a royalty stream. So I, I probably on balance, I would be a hold, but it certainly has form in falling away after decent announcements. Okay. Henry, uh, Andrew gave you the shout out there, just as far as your research is concerned. What, what, what are you looking at? I think research is a long stretch, actually. It's a pretty long bow there. Uh, it wasn't really that in depth. I have to say today, I, I, I've looked at uh, you know this one in a little more depth. I had to uh, have a serious look at what Rett syndrome is, and no offence to those uh, poor kids that suffer from it, but I, I thought it was something to do with gone with the wind for a while. But um, you know, th this one has had a pretty exceptional rise. I am a bit of a seller into these sorts of things. They do tend to have these big jumps, and then they do tend to come off. Uh, we've seen this before with this one. This is a pretty good result. Phase three trials, you're getting to the end of the, uh, the sort of the testing phase. You're getting to the pointy end where they are starting to get revenue royalties. And the deal they've got is a pretty significant one, though. But when, when you look at the potential market, which, you know, in the US, there's potential patients of around 10,000, which is not huge uh, in the big scheme of things. They're talking about annual sales in the US of $500 million US. Uh, that's uh, just in the US. So I guess there is a market and it is um, growing because they, they will find more patients that will be able to be treated with this new drug. For me, it's had a pretty good rise. I would expect to see, uh, you know, if we do get a little bit of a market wobble or a few profit takers in the new year, take a bit of the top off this. The first quarter and first half of 2022 will be interesting. We've got more FDA approvals to come. So that will be the catalyst. That will be what people are looking for. But I've got to say, after the big run that it's had, Christmas is here. I'd take some money off the table, I have to say. You know, if, if you were a shareholder and you had a thousand shares, I'd sell half of them, to be honest. It, it's, um, you know, it's had a great run. You can keep the other thousand, other 500 shares and you've got them for nothing, really. So um, that would be the way that I would play it. So for me at the moment, it's, it's a sell. Um, and uh, I'd probably look to buy back in around sort of three bucks. 283 bucks. Okay, all right. That's Neuron Pharmaceuticals. Number five, Vection Technologies. This one coming to us from James. It is a software company. In fact, it, it provides technology solutions in emerging industry of uh, extended reality. Now, we're all feeling old when we look at this stuff, aren't we, really? Um, this is sort of where Meta is going to, the, the virtual world. Um, now, it's, uh, you take a look at its share price, Henry. It has been some whipsaw action recently. Uh, yes, uh, it, this, is, this is a metaverse play. We do have a few metaverse plays in Australia, um, and I've written this one up before. This is kind of a 3D software company that creates 3D images for augmented reality, virtual reality. Maybe you're gonna do a walkthrough of a uh, property development, those sorts of things. Now, uh, the stock price ran really hard, of course, when uh, Mark Zuckerberg changed the name of Facebook to, uh, to Meta, and there was a few good announcements that really propelled this one a lot higher. The company, as 
is their want, chose the opportunity to sell down, or some of the founders sold down their shares at 20 cents for, uh, for some you know, tax and diversification reasons. And the company also raised money in a very well supported, aren't they all, at 20 cents. Now the stock is now significantly below that, 13, 14 cents. Uh, so where's all that support that was at 20 cents now? I think this one has got good potential. I think 2022, we're going to hear a lot more about the metaverse. I think we're going to hear a lot more about augmented and virtual reality. I think this is certainly a way to play it. I would be looking to buy this one at 12, 13 cents, which is kind of where it is now. Uh, and uh, it's unwound all that kind of uh, speculative fervor. They've raised money. They've got cash. There'll probably be an overhang there at 20 cents. And, and clearly, a couple of the founders selling out is not a positive despite the, uh, the reasons uh, that does tend to weigh a little bit. But uh, certainly around these levels, it's probably worth an accumulate. So it's a, it, for me, it's certainly a weak buy. Uh, I don't mind this one at all. All right. Well, that's exciting in itself because it's our first one of the day. Well done, um, Andrew. Do you agree? Well, I, I actually initially had it as a hold, but as I'm listening to you... being convinced. Him, right. Well, you know... He's, <laughs> Have I talked you into it? <laughs> he's, he's sort of, you know, angling, and I'm just looking at the chart, and you're spot on around that 12, 12 and a half cents. That seems to be sort of its uh, ceiling or floor, as it would be. Um, so, look, I, uh, I, I would also put it into the weak buy category. Uh, if Nadine was here, she'd be slapping us both about. So, thank you for being here, Andrew. But um, <laughs> my, my preferred way of doing this would be uh, because I like NVIDIA. And uh, I think I've said to you previously, Andrew, um, that, uh, and also Henry, that I think NVIDIA is certainly over a three to five year view and what's going on with all this AR and VR, et cetera, that that's probably the way that you want to be playing it. So companies or ETFs rather like ESPO or RBTZ give you good, healthy exposure to NVIDIA. Uh, but from a local point of view, certainly happy to have this as a punt, as a spec, but me personally, it's around that 12, 12 and a half cents, I'd have a bit more comfort. Okay, all right. Nonetheless, that you were slapping a buy on that. So we're going to put that in the portfolio. Well done. All right, let's, uh, let's summarise where we've been with our five stocks plus a stock of the day. The stock of the day is CSL. Um, this is all about diversification as it announces its bid for uh, V4 Pharma, $16.5 billion. Uh, Andrew's saying it is all about diversification, sees the synergies there. However, the next 12 months will be challenging. It's a hold. Also a hold from Henry saying potentially some serious indigestion as we get this deal done and its price uh, could be under pressure. So you need to watch where it goes. Uh, the first stock we covered was Genex Power. Um, it's got this Queensland energy project to tie up with uh, Tesla. That's obviously a headline grabber. Um, Henry's saying he's tried to like it, does require some patience. He's slapping a hold on it. Um, also from Andrew, a hold. Uh, he's looking for that catalyst for growth, but he does find it likeable, particularly um, J Power, Japanese firm, has 40%. Um, of the firm. So that's a uh, hold for, uh, for Genix. Um, our first ETF uh, of the day, this one, Vanguard Australian shares are VAS. And uh, Andrew is saying um, it's, uh, it holds the 300 top companies, which is an advantage over, over 200. Some of the biggest ones there, obviously, including CSL, Commonwealth Bank, BHP, 
Uh, he's got a hold on it, but perhaps seeing some longer term benefits there. Henry's saying he, he, he's worried that new investors think that ETFs are magical. Uh, nonetheless, he's got, a, he's got a hold on this. Our third one, Rex, uh, it's Regional Express uh, Holdings Airlines. We know how difficult that environment has been for them for the past 18 months or so. The, you only have to look at the fuel price capacity. They're just not basically um, carrying any passengers at the moment, although that's changing, obviously, as we, we open up and we're seeing this battle with uh, Qantas. Uh, Henry's got an avoid on it. Uh, Andrew, less um, negative about it. He's got a hold, but uh, still obviously concerned about where it's going and uh, the state of the airline industry at the moment. Uh, we were just discussing urine pharmaceuticals, our, our fourth one here. Um, it's uh, a biotech, uh, done some really impressive trials with Rett syndrome, that treatment there. Uh, Andrew's talking about some impressive royalties and revenue coming through, although he'd say it would be brave to buy it at this point. He's putting a hold on it. Uh, Henry, he in fact, uh, you know, we've seen this um, bounce um, it doubled its price actually and then come off but uh, he's saying perhaps a, a half sell sell down half of your holding if you do own it and uh, finally our fifth one there Vection Technologies uh, you don't have to mention that word meta and extended reality uh, that's got a lot of people excited of course um, and both have a weak buy on this uh, looking at some key levels was it 20 cents now down to 14 they say 12 that would be the trigger there for a buy. All right, that's our uh, first five. Let's uh, check in on the calls portfolio. Of course, we've got our own here, which we've been tracking since July 1st last year, thanks to our partner, NabTrade, and all the stocks that get a two thumbs up or a buy from both our experts on the show going to the portfolio. And if a stock that's already in the portfolio comes up again and receives a unanimous hold from both guests, it stays in the portfolio. So let's check in see how we're performing. Weekly, we're up just over 2% on the month. Of course, it's been uh, generally difficult across the board here. It's down 2% and year to date since uh, July 1st this year, we're up 8.7% uh, higher. Since inception on July 1st though, uh, we can see that, uh, oh, where are we at? I've just lost it for the moment. Uh, anyway, we're actually obviously doing well up there, 46 and a half percent. Now, let's just uh, check in on stocks we've recently added. Um, EBOS Group, Adairs, Magellan Financial, Genworth Mortgage Insurance and Adore Beauty. And those that we've taken out of the portfolio recently, Ingham's, Adamos, Bapcor and Harvey Norman, you can check in on those stocks and ETFs we have in the course portfolio by heading to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. We'll be updating that every day here on the call. Think having an SMSF is hard? Well, think again. Set up your own SMSF completely online with Stake Super and invest your super with freedom. There's no paperwork and Stake does all the admin. You just focus on the investing. All right, let's get back into it. Our sixth stock of the day is Eagle Mountain Mining. This one uh, brought to us by Mark. And uh, now this is uh, copper and gold, in fact. And um, 
It owns uh, Oracle Ridge Mine. That's a project in Arizona. Mark's saying, uh, I'm relatively new to the trading game and holding this, but I've bled for about a year now as we had a spike in April 2020 since we've been in a decline, although I have had some great drill results outside of the jork areas. And I'm just wondering what could be the reason behind the continuing downtrend? Andrew. Uh, it's the market, uh, Mark, it's the market, and I don't mean that to be clever, but uh, uh, I, I can sort of talk to its virtues, but as to why the market uh, is unhappy, maybe my learned friend might have some more insight. Because if you look at the underlying narrative around the need for copper with electric vehicles, uh, the average car um, you know, is around 22 kilos of copper, whereas an electric vehicle is about four times that. It's around 80-odd kilos. So certainly there is absolutely a, a need for that. And if you actually look at um, Eagle Mining's um, tenement, uh, you know, a lot of that infrastructure is already in place relating to access roads, the underground development, um, the way in which it's actually designed uh, from being in a mountain, it's actually got um, low energy uh, needs because they're sort of using gravity. So, and if you have actually have a look at the under uh, the people who sort of run it, the CEO, his name's Charlie Bass. He co-founded Aquila, and Aquila got taken out back uh, in 2014 in a, a hostile takeover at about 1.4 billion. So, if you look at the industry narrative, it's pretty right. And if you're looking at the actual underlying asset, the asset seems okay, and the people running it seem okay. Um, so whether it just, you know, similar to what we were just saying before that previous company, these companies get a bit of a head of steam up, they run up, they run too hard and then, you know, they sort of come back to earth, whether that's what's going on here. It's pretty thinly traded. You've only got about $200,000 a day traded and they can be that work with you or against you as well. But bottom line, unfortunately, that chart does look pretty ordinary and I'd like mm. to see that chart sort of turning back up. So uh, it is a hold at the moment. All right, uh, Henry. Any thoughts as to you know behind its steady decline? Um, not really, but it's it's you know there's a there's a myriad of these kind of stocks that have this sort of steady decline. They have some really good results. They punch through, and then uh, the hot money gets in, and then the hot money gets out. They usually accompany it with a capital raise, and they drift off. It is kind of standard operating procedure. Andrew is right. It is pretty thin. Chuck Bass. Uh, not the gossip girl Chuck Bass, XOXO, is uh, a 28% shareholder and very supportive. And he has uh, a pretty good track record and tipped in money in the last uh, raise, which is pretty good. They've had some good intercepts, copper gold in Arizona. And uh, of course, that, that helps things chugle along. But you know, there, there really isn't enough interest in it at the moment. And despite the fact that pumping out videos and CEO interviews and uh, investor presentations and all this, there hasn't really been a huge amount of interest, which is never a great sign. I, I wonder why, if you're just beginning in your share market journey, you plough into something called Eagle Mountain, but there you go. Uh, maybe uh, maybe it's better to, to plump for something that uh, is a little bit more mainstream to begin with, if that is your investment journey. But um, certainly this this is one, obviously, for the punters. It will be driven by the drill bit. It will be driven by those results. Uh, at Talon, which they've got some uh, some good high-grade copper intercepts. But at the moment, so many of the, there's so many of these little stocks out there, and and no one really watches them until something happens, and then 
uh, they go whoosh and everybody piles in at the top and then they just drift off again. So for me, uh, you know, that there's others that I would prefer that I know better than this one. But, um, you know, copper gold in Arizona, right place, I guess, in some respects, but it's, you know, it's a long way off from mm. production. Uh, a lot of drill results to come, a lot of money to be raised, uh, a lot of hype and a lot of interviews to be done. So uh, not for me just at the moment, I have to say, not cheap enough to get really that interested. But if you hold it, what do you do with it? Well, if you hold it and you've been watching it sink, I guess it depends on the opportunity cost, whether it's, um, you know, it's your only holding it. For me, it's probably got, you know, 40 low 40s written all over it so uh, you could you could probably sell it do something else with the money and yep. then get back in at 40 cents but uh, you know one drill result one spectacular drill result and it could be back up to 80 cents again so sure. you know it's you, you might as well go red or black down at crown all right yeah okay fair enough all right let's move on australian ethical uh, this one coming to us from terry says looking for an ethical investment that has true growth and value and not just greenwashing it has uh, come off a high is now a time to buy or is it just still too expensive? Does this fit the bill for buy or are there better ethical traded funds? Uh, is there a new or better ethical or green fund around or rather than buying shares, are you better off actually investing inside the fund itself? All right, a few questions there. Um, Henry, your thoughts? Um, yeah, AEF is a tricky one, isn't it? Australian ethical, ethical being the go-to word for a whole generation of new investors. Now, these guys look after 6.6 billion dollars worth of money, which is not inconsiderable by any stretch of the imagination. But the fund manager itself is worth 1.4 billion dollars in market cap. I think they made uh, five or five and a half million bucks in uh, in profits for the half. So double that, let's say, and you call it 11. And uh, it's still pretty racy valuation. If you compare it to Magellan, which of course is under serious pressure and doesn't have ethical in its name, it has $116 billion under management, but a market cap of $5.4 billion. So that does kind of make Magellan look almost cheap. The great thing about Australian ethical is that there is very few competitors with the track record that these guys have got in investing ethically in the market and it does attract money because of that. It can be quite volatile as well. It does have periods where it gets sold off quite considerably and then it gets all in the zeitgeist and everyone pushes the hell out of it. At the moment we're in the pushing it up syndrome. I, I still struggle with the valuation of this one for a, for a fund manager that only has six and a bit billion dollars under management for a one and a half billion dollar market cap. I struggle with that, I have to say, in comparison to other ones. I wouldn't be a buyer of this one. Uh, it's probably a hold. I have been quite negative on this one in the past and it has dropped considerably uh, after, uh, you know, on, on, on some of my thoughts um, being crystallized in the market. But um, I think at these levels, because we've got this massive ethical push, this mm. ESG push, and there's very little competition. If Magellan became Magellan Ethical Financial, uh, I think that would change the dynamics of that one if they could become an ethical fund. But at the moment, this is a hold for me. Yeah. Um, I can't get excited about this. I still think it's too expensive. All right, too expensive. Um, Andrew, yeah, look, seems everyone wants to get ESG into their portfolio somehow. Indeed. And just rereading Terry's question, just to make sure that I'm clear, I think like not only an overview of AEF, which is obviously what he asked about, but he's also asking about almost like is it an ethical type of fund, if that mm. makes sense? 
Um, and so if, if that's the lens we're using, I mean, yes, they make their money ethically, but it may not be specifically what he's looking for. So in other words, another way of reading Terry's question could be, is he looking for um, an LIC or an ETF or something like that that actually invests across a range of companies that are, are ESG focused, if that makes sense? And yep. if we apply that framework, then of course, uh, Koshi had a special on um, ESG style investing, what was that, two, three weeks ago now. So if you go to your favourite Ausbiz app, uh, and you can sort of watch, there was a couple of hours of content there on that. So just specifically to AEF itself, the investment management company, I agree with Henry, I think it's pretty racy valuation. It's 134 times earnings. Um, and it's got a margin of 1.1%. Uh, I didn't use Magellan as my comparison. I use Perpetual, but same outcome. Mm. Uh, you can buy Perpetual on a PE of 16. So you're getting it sort of 80 to 90% cheaper than you would actually be buying AEF. But as yep. Henry also right points out, doesn't have ESG in the name. Just very quickly, if you were to look at ETFs in that ESG frame, you might want to think of that E200 or you might want to think about VESG. So that's the Australian uh, E200 and VESG is an international ESG ETF. All right, Terry, I hope that answers your question and a couple of alternatives to look at there at the same time. All right, the next one, Andrew, this one is coming to you directly. Uh, it is the, uh, the Van Eck Morningstar International Wide Moat ETF, otherwise known as the GOAT. Uh, ben asking about this one, could you please get Andrew to look at it? Uh, I know he says Qual is the one ETF to rule them all. However, is this a good potential alternative that it isn't as heavily weighted in technology? Ben, I'm pleased the indoctrination is working. And of <laughs> course, my learned friend has also uh, embraced Qual as well. Um, nothing wrong with GOAT at all. GOAT is uh, great as a, as a well-run ETF. But it's important to note that GOAT um, is actually um, managed, for the want of a better term, um, by Morningstar. So it's actually Morningstar's analysts that's sort of looking at businesses that have a wide moat and global wide moat, as opposed to moat, which is the a US version of that same ETF or same methodology. Um, so, you know, from that point of view, if you have a look at um, GOAT itself, it's got um, funds under management of about $25 million. Uh, the, the MER, the cost of running it is about 0.55 and it's got 72 holdings and it's only got 17% IT. So if you're right about um, technology, then it's actually its second biggest holding. Industrials is actually its biggest holding. So coming back to the one ETF to rule them all qual, Qual is actually rules-based, Andrew. So it's not a bunch of analysts at Morningstar sort of going, well, we think this has got a wide moat or not. Yeah. What the what Qual does is it's got rules and they're pretty simple. Has the company got steady to increasing return on equity? Has the company got steady to increasing revenue? And has the company got steady to decreasing debt? That's it. What That is the definition of a quality business. Runs that across the MISCI. Uh, and basically holds 300 companies. So really, GOAT is more um, interventionist, if I could use that term. Qual is literally just an index, uh, a passive index, and that's why I like Qual. And if you look at the performance, the performance for GOAT up 19% for the year, so certainly nothing to, uh, to uh, say there's an issue there, but if I look at uh, the one ETF to rule them all, 
Uh, in fact, its performance over the last 12 months, it's up 30%. And if we go out 10 years, which GOAT can't, because it hasn't been around that long, mm. uh, it's up 19% per annum for 10 years. So right. nice try with GOAT. Uh, unfortunately, Ben, Qual is the one ETF to rule them all. Okay, so we're avoiding uh, GOAT at this moment. Henry? <laughs> Um, yeah, we're avoiding goats. Um, that's uh, that's the name of the game at the moment. Uh, I've got to say, I mean, Andrew is absolutely spot on. He is not called the whisperer for nothing. Let's face it. Uh, Qual is the one ETF to rule them all, and uh, it's certainly a core part of my new kind of ETF portfolio that we're running in the newsletter. In fact, it's got a twenty percent weighting uh, in the in that portfolio. I, I have to say, I haven't really come across goat until now. And uh, it's not one that I would really go for. I've got to say, Andrew's right. It's not a rules-based. It's a, it's an analyst kind of based ETF. You, you're, you're assuming that the analysts at Morningstar are going to nail it. Mm. Um, you don't know when a guy leaves and somebody else comes on board. You don't know uh, at the end of the day how it's sort of structured in that respect. So it's a bit of a black box. It's a bit of a trust me kind of. ETF, and, and I'd rather stick with ones that uh, don't require uh, an element of trust, I guess, in the uh, the ETF, that I know what I'm, I'm buying into rather than yep. I'm at the whim of some Morningstar analysts. So a no from me. No goats. I'm not kidding. I'm not going to nanny anybody with this one. No goats. <laughs> All right. Too opaque. No goats. Fair enough. All right. Uh, we better get a, a wriggle on. We've got a couple left to, uh, to get through. Uh, the next one is Regis Healthcare. Let's not confuse it with Regis Resources, which uh, is a mistake some would make. I would have thought this one, uh, now it's, um, it is aged care. Uh, that's had its issues, of course, throughout the pandemic. Uh, but share price up some 66% in the past year, Henry. Um, yes, Regis. I gotta say, this is a yes from me, uh, Regis Healthcare, Reg. Uh, it is a yes. You have to say that uh, despite Mr. Hazard, I've just seen the headlines pop up saying that we're going to have 25,000 COVID cases by the end of January in New South Wales. We are reopening. Today is, is our own Freedom Day in New South Wales. I know Queensland has been free for, for some time, but uh, today is our Freedom Day. Aged care is uh, going to recover. We have an ageing demographic. These ones have been hit hard. Obviously, there's been a Royal Commission, which I think at the end of the day will favour the big players because they will be able to uh, to fill those uh, staffing places. They will be able to leverage off the back of it. So at these prices, it's fallen hard. Uh, I'd be a buyer here. I am a buy on Regis Healthcare, REG. Yeah, as you say, it has uh, now fallen hard. Um, Andrew. Uh, it's a hold for me. Uh, lots of lots of reasons why, which we don't have time to get into. They've had a dreadful year. Cyber attacks, um, excuse me, underpayment of staff. Obviously, big impact from COVID, and yet it's still trading on 22 times earnings. So, uh, lots of noise going on there. Post Royal Commission. Uh, my favourite quote from the AGM: Funding pressures since 2017 continue to impact with costs rising faster than revenues. And that's four years later. So, no, it's a hold. Okay, well, that's unfortunate. I thought we were gonna get another one. But uh, anyway, a buy and a hold. Uh, all right, finally, to WiseTech Global. Now this, um, it's all about designing, developing cloud-based logistics. Um, this has really benefited 
from some of those supply chain issues too. It's all about customs clearance, um, warehousing, transport solutions. Andrew? It's a hold, um, but there's lots of reasons to like it. The thing I don't like about it is the valuation, which has been a problem since the get-go. It trades at well over 100 times earnings. But the supply uh, chain constraints that we're seeing at the moment is absolutely playing into WiseTech Cargo, Wise's hands, where companies that have been holding off and actually embracing their software are now sort of trying to find efficiencies both in a workflow and also a financial sense. And so they're bringing forward their uh, desire to implement this software. And if, you know, over, um, in the top, t most of the top 10 freight forwarders actually do use CargoWise. Uh, the only other thing I don't, I'm mindful of is they've made 39 acquisitions since 2016. And again, Henry and I have spoken at length this year relating to concerns about when you're out there buying businesses, you're being the Pac-Man then how does that impact with culture? How do you drive the efficiencies, all that sort of stuff? So really like it, but I struggle to pay $56 for it. Consensus is about 46. Um, when are you gonna get a, an opportunity to buy it? Well, when we saw that short selling attack, potentially that might be it, but yeah, 100 times earnings, I can't bring myself to do it. So it's a hold. A hold, okay. Yeah, Henry, your thoughts? I, I'd have to agree with my learned friend, uh, Andrew. It's, um, the valuation is still extreme. It is obviously uh, now such an integral part of that logistical chain uh, that we're seeing such sort of creaking and groaning from at the moment in terms of uh, you know the just-in-time management and pa even pallets are now going uh, haywire and we're not, uh, we've got a pallet shortage. The price of wooden pallets is going through the roof. So I, I, I like the stock, I like the theme, I don't like the valuation. Uh, there was the, the the short selling attack seems like an eon ago, and it probably was. I, you know, these guys have really benefited from I think the disruption we've seen in the last couple of years, and uh, I just think it might be a bit of sort of buy the rumor, sell the facts. As we come out of COVID, things will go back to normal. I'm assuming things will go back to normal when we do come out of COVID in 2023, maybe, or 2024. Who knows at this rate? But I, I think it, for me, it's it's too fully priced. I would be a hold, maybe even a small kind of take some profits. Um, you know, these, these high valuation stocks can be susceptible to um, major moves when we see the market wobble. So maybe even a slight sell on this one that's sort of 56 bucks, I have to say. All right. Okay. And that brings us to the end. Let's uh, summarise then, see how we've gone in the second half. We began with Eagle Mountain Mining, uh, this one with a uh, project in Arizona. Andrew's saying um, what well, has come off significantly this year, uh, steady decline, in fact. Uh, victim of the market, says Andrew, he's got a hold on it. Um, for Henry, though, uh, yes, good intercepts, he says, as far as drilling is concerned, but largely a void or even a sell at this point. Uh, Australian ethical, everyone wanting a bit of ethical and ESG exposure at this point. Um, Henry saying, yeah, a few competitors as far as, you know, given the ethical title in it of its name, but volatile. He's got a hold on it, saying it's sort of really too expensive at this point. Um, yeah, Andrew largely agreeing as far as that valuation is concerned. He also has a hold on Australian ethical. Uh, and then we move to another ETF, Vanek Morningstar International Wide Moat ETF, otherwise known as the GOAT. Uh, and uh, 
let's see. Um, I've got a, got out of my out of order here. Um, so look, essentially, um, Andrew's saying, yeah, he prefers Qual, and that was the question whether he actually should go for uh, for Qual. Um, he's pointed out that's up thirty percent over the past year, whereas uh, this one up nineteen percent. So no, he's not looking at it. Henry agrees. Um, he's saying it's all just a little too opaque as far as what's going on behind the scenes there. Then we move to Regis Healthcare. Uh, Henry's saying, yes, he likes it. It's a buy. Obviously, it's, there's been a struggle throughout uh, the pandemic, but uh, Aged Care is saying will recover strongly. And uh, Andrew, though, he has a hold on it. Uh, a couple of issues to play out there as far as did have some cyber attacks, also underpayment of staff. And we routed it up there with WiseTech Global. Uh, Andrew likes it, but not the valuation. Uh, he's saying it's been very acquisitional, but is too expensive. He's got a hold. Henry's saying, yeah, certainly clearly benefited from that disruption that we've seen as far as supply chains are concerned and the like. Uh, he has a hold with perhaps even a sell, maybe taking just a bit off there. All right, so that brings us uh, to the end. Uh, and we can thank our guests now who, uh, oh, Henry, you're back in Santa mode again. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for joining us from Marcus today. It's very Andrew from DP Wealth Advisory. Hey, if I don't get the chance, both um, have a terrific Christmas. Enjoy the break. And we look forward to seeing you in the new year. Sounds great, Andrew. Andrew. And uh, all the best to your viewers. Thanks very much. All right, that is our show for today. Any stocks you'd like us to cover, flick us an email, thecall at osbiz.com.au, or you can tweet us at osbiztv. A reminder where to find all those stocks we have in the portfolio, you can head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.